Coming up next on 2NURFM, it is Thursday Finance. Today, Stephen Pritchard is going to be talking about superannuation contributions. We'll take a look into that in depth. We'll have our market update with Henry Jennings, who's Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. And we'll take a look at currency and commodities around the place as far as it affects us. And we'll even give you a chance to get your question in. Around about halfway through the program, we'll ask you if you've got a question for Stephen today. Looking at this stage, just before we get on to currency and commodities, Stephen Pritchard, we... um, (laughs) We asked a question on the Facebook page earlier in this week about Christmas decorations being all around, Christmas songs being all around, and is Christmas coming too early? It certainly brings with it a reminder that we tend to spend more money than usual at Christmas. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the reason um, the, the retailers are rolling out the Christmas decorations early to get more money. I mean, David Jones had them out at the end of August. You could well have a point there. Yeah. So, yes, we just need to remember that at, at Christmas... Um, um, Retailers put out lots of nice things that we'd like to, we'd like to buy, but we don't really need. And, and a lot of people overspend at Christmas and um, spend the rest of the year paying it off. So for those people who've thought about it in the past and opened a savings account or a Christmas club account, but uh, they'll be getting their checks in the next few weeks, so they don't have any problems for Christmas. But for the rest of us, just be careful how much you spend on your credit card and and think the do it do, does the kid kids really need this extra toy. Yes, ask them. And do we need another $100 of decorations for the Christmas tree? So, and is it worth thinking about a Christmas club for next year? Oh, it's always worth thinking about. I mean, it's particularly if you're putting it on, you know, if you're putting it on a on a, on a credit card, bear in mind that, you know, it's not unusual to pay up to 20% on a credit card. So so, so if you run up $1,000 over, over Christmas and it takes you a year or more to pay off, um, you could be paying $200 um, in interest over the next year. So so that goes a fair way to paying the, the, the Christmas lunch and, mm, and, sure uh, and stuff. So, so yeah, and, and it doesn't, you know, as we spoke about before, small things save up. I mean, you know, if you want $1,000 for Christmas, that's only $20 a week or, or five cappuccinos to use your 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 cappuccino calculator, uh, five five cappuccinos, one cappuccino a day, and you'll have a thousand dollars at Christmas. So 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 if the, where your bank doesn't have a Christmas card, get 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 an account that that's hard to uh, take money out of. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Easy and to I, put in, but hard to withdraw. I suppose a lot of us don't think about budgeting for Christmas. No, until, un, until December. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Think but, ahead, but, but, as you know, always. You know, cappuccino a day and you'll have $1,000 for your Christmas, which, which is, is probably a reasonable amount to spend. Yeah, it's, it's a fair yes. amount to spend. Yes. Well, speaking about spending, how are commodities going if we wanted to buy a tonne of copper or whatever? Oh, we could buy a tonne of copper. If you, if you had uh, $7,169, you could have bought a cup, tonne of copper last night. So copper's continued to fall. It's, it's down, you know, 1.5% on the week. Um, and and the, indus- the other industrial metals like uh, tin was also down uh, by about 1% on the week to $21,981 a tonne. And nickel was down um, um, to 14278 So th- as I said before, the, the fall in prices of the um, industrial metals doesn't look good for 
forecasting economic activity in the future. Okay. Yeah. Um, gold gold was pretty steady at sixteen hundred and seventeen dollars an ounce. Um, the 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 gold the the price of gold producers in Australia you know have, have gone up a fair bit in the last couple of weeks, and and that's probably a symptom of the the price of gold going up in a dollar terms. And uh, the silver price was pretty steady at twenty one dollars an ounce for the week. Um, and then the currency, well, a dollars sunk again. Yeah. Um, we're down to down to seventy two um, cents overnight, uh, down one point five percent on the week against the US dollar. Um, against the Great British pound, we were down one point two cents to forty six pence. Um, the euro cents, which we've determined, we were down to sixty three euro cents or one point two six two percent. And we were up against the New Zealand dollar by a minuscule 0.3% to $1.07. So, so we did have a bit of a win there. We won't get excited. Um, yeah. So, so the, as we've spoken before, the currency, the, the, all the economic forecasts are saying the currency is continuing, is going to continue to, to weaken. So for those people looking at going overseas, it's probably um, not a bad opportunity to, to buy a bit of currency forward. Of course, all the forecasters don't say when it's going to happen, do they? When the dollar's likely to drop? No. <laughs> but the Australian the Australian economy is, you know, currently very linked to the commodity prices, and I think that as the commodity prices, um, we don't quote iron ore, but but mainly iron ore and copper, um, iron ore and coal, um, continue to fall. Um, you'd expect the Australian dollar to continue to fall. Mm-hmm. How are the markets travelling? Uh, well, they're all in the black this week. The All Ordinaries was up 1% of the week to 5,286. Uh, the Dow was up, um, 1.4% to 17,168. Uh, the Hang Seng was up, which is the Chinese equivalent market in Hong Kong, uh, to 22,999. And the UK market was up 1.2% to 6,348. So overall, uh, across the board, the, the markets were up, you know, a couple of percent. So that's good for people who are who are in um, equities. Um, and the oil price, um, the oil price continued to drift down this week. It was down another 2.9% to $62.69 a barrel, and that's $8 barrels, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the local um, fuel prices... Um, the unleaded petrol in Newcastle a short time ago was a dollar twenty nine a litre, and in Sydney was a dollar twenty two. So um, we were about a seven cents a litre difference. Uh, the Sydney price was down nine nine percent on the week, and we were down point two. And so we're back to this parity of boy uh, paying more than Sydney again. And the diesel price was a dollar twenty seven in Newcastle and a dollar twenty three in Sydney. So so we were down about one point four percent on the week, and Sydney was steady. So pretty similar. Stephen Pritchard, Thursday Finance, and we do it for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And we're joined now for our market update by Henry Jennings from the, one, the Marcus. The wonderful today. Henry Jennings. Uh, the wonderful uh, Henry Jennings. Henry. Good, Henry. Um, and, and what's you know what's happening at Medibank? I opened the finance review this morning and the Medibank <laughs> CA is gone. And well, he's given up $1.2 million potential bonuses. Yeah, it's amazing. It was, it was a bit of a shock, I've got to say. Um, um, he looked like he was there for the long haul. He'd been there 13 years and, and uh, guided the, uh, the, the the company through its IPO procedure um, and brought it successfully into the world, kicking and screaming. So uh, it was a little bit of a shock. The the, uh, the Medibank private story has always been about cost out. 
Um, it's always been perceived as a kind of a, a bloated kind of bureaucracy that the government has owned, um, and in private hands it would always be far more efficient. Uh, this has been George Savidis's, um sort of um, um, focus for the last uh, little while since listing anyway, and, and prior to listing. And he's, he's certainly, you know, he's done a good job in getting costs down, but it does seem as if uh, there are some people that would like him to accelerate that um, and get more and more efficiencies out of the business. So it looks like he's a bit of a casualty of, uh, of that side of things. But, yeah, it was a little bit of a shock. The market was down a little bit on the back of it, but uh, nothing too dramatic. But it's never a good look when, you're, uh, when your CEO disappears quickly. Yeah, I mean, totally unexpected. Yes, totally yes. Unexpected. Just, you know, it doesn't seem uh, that long ago that the company was uh, going through the whole beauty pageant and listing process mm-hmm. um, and coming to um, to trade on the market. So, yeah, it uh, seems a little strange, but there you go. Mm. And, of course, BHP's announced another round of uh, spending cuts uh, in yep. their petroleum division. Well, BHP, everybody else is, uh, you know, every company, every resource company under the sun has announced uh, cutbacks in, in terms of uh, uh, CapEx going forward. Um, BHP, no exception there, that they've, they've put in place this progressive dividend policy whereby they're looking to raise dividends every year in uh, US dollar terms, which, of course, is doubly good for Australian shareholders if the Australian dollar goes down. Um, and one of the casualties, of course, is, is the uh, capital expenditure and also uh, cost-cutting across the board, so um, BHP looking at doing that but of course it does it does beg the question you know if um, you get to a stage where if you're not spending any money on new projects and you're not spending any money on getting new production coming through your pipeline then um, at some stage supply will uh, will be outstripped by demand and we will see um, another boom start to uh, evolve and as such then the, the uh, resource companies will be racing to spend their money again so we mm. get this kind of boom and bust cycles. Mm, that's interesting. And then, then speaking of other resource companies, another lot of shareholders aren't too happy at Origin Energy. No, well, I mean, Origin, uh, Origin, like a lot of oil companies, has really been struggling due to the, uh, the lower oil price. However, I guess there, there's some consolation for Origin shareholders in that today we saw a, uh, a bid for Santos, what mm. is certainly an indicative kind of um, proposal from a... Um, a U.S. private equity fund called uh, Scepter, which looks or sounds a lot like something out of a James Bond movie. Yep. Um, but um, these guys have uh, offered Santos $6.88, which is a far cry from the $4 they got down to a few weeks ago. Santos have knocked it back. But I have to say, if you were an Origin shareholder, and certainly if you were the Origin board at the moment, you would be looking over your shoulder. We've now seen Oil Search, Santos, both bid for, um, and in what they term as opportunistic bids, low-ball offers, and with a stock like Origin, which has fallen an awful long way, um, I think it's fallen from around, you know, around twelve, thirteen dollars this year to uh, under six bucks. Mm-hmm. You would have to say that um, you know where there's where there's smoke, there's fire in the sector, and I would not be surprised if we saw some sort of um, approach to origin energy as well. Also, uh, adding, adding, I guess, uh, fuel to that um, little story is that yesterday Karen Moses, the, the CFO, um, quit the company, announced that she was leaving, and, of course, that may prompt uh, long-standing CEO Grant King to uh, also um, 
to move aside as um, the share price fall has sort of taken its toll on confidence in the management. The retail rights issue is still going on on Origin, isn't it? Uh, no. It's finished? I think it has finished. Uh, I think it finished on the 19th. We've finished trading. Finished trading. Oh, still got to take it. Finished yeah. trading on the 19th. Yep. So I think you can still apply for those okay. rights. I'm not sure off the top of my head yep. what the date is, but they finished trading on the 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually you get a little bit of pressure in these kind of periods where they're raising money as people who are entitled to uh, to new shares sell out some of their old shares to fund the new shares. So, but if you have a, a, a management vacuum at the top of a company that's fallen 50% in a falling oil market, it does tend to attract one or two vultures, and we've seen that with Santos, and we've seen that with Oil Search, and I'm sure there are a number of private equity players running their slide rules, for those mm-hmm. people that can remember slide rules, over the, uh, over the, the uh, Origin Energy uh, register and shareholding. Well, we might leave the slide rule there for a minute and come back and talk <laughs> about nine. This is Thursday Finance on 2NURFM. It's 26 to 1, and we are in the middle of our market snapshot with Henry Jennings, who's senior commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter, Stephen Pritchard. Henry, so uh, speaking of changes, what, what's happening down at um, Nine Network? Bruce Gordon seems to acquire a great slab of uh, shares in that as well. Yeah, well, I guess it's, I guess it's all change at the moment in the... Uh in the media sector, there's hopes that uh, with Malcolm in the middle now in charge of the uh, of the government, there will be some more movement in um, in kind of quotas and uh, removal of some of those cross media ownership uh, issues that have plagued the media companies in the past. As a result, uh, the billionaire Bruce Gordon um, he's expanded his presence and he's buying up to um, around 13% of, uh, of Channel Nine from a U.S. hedge fund, Apollo, which currently has around 22%, so um, that deal is expected to go through in November. That will give uh, Wynn, which is the, um, the corporation that Bruce Gordon owns, um, around uh, 14.95%. So um, he also owns um, about 15% of Network 10 holdings, and today they just uh, announced that uh, the ACCC is not going to block the purchase of uh, 15% by uh, Foxtel in, uh, in 10. So um, it, it's certainly it's, it's, it's an interesting sector at the moment. I mean, I guess the issue for these free-to-air guys is, um, is, is the erosion of their, uh, their normal market as more and more people go online and, and, and use media in a completely different way, but they would argue that they've got content, and Channel 7 is reeling out a sort of content-on-any-platform kind of model um, but um, certainly, you know, you would imagine that the demise of, of free-to-air is um, is slowly happening, uh, certainly with the rise of things like Netflix, mm-hmm. um, Presto, mm-hmm. Stan, and all the other dodgy names that we yeah. dream up. It's interesting, for a company that wasn't even, oh, I hadn't even heard of 18 months ago, yep. there's that many people I talk to now, or oh, just watch some movie on Netflix, or... It's, I mean, it's, it's great for some things, it's not great for others, um, it's certainly good for uh, quality TV shows, and it's very cheap. When you look at a, um, a subscription to Netflix at around 10, 10 bucks a month, as opposed to a uh, subscription to Foxtel, it's um, you know which minimum is probably two and a half times that, and that doesn't get you any decent movies, sport, or anything decent. It just probably gets you the Disney Channel and uh, and, and the news. Um, it's quite a compelling argument. I guess the issue that uh, subscribers have when they when they take up Netflix is you, you find that it does chew through a huge amount of data. So you 
have to be very careful and upgrade your data packs to uh, unlimited, which, of course, is, um, is helping stocks like TPG. And very good for the MBN infrastructure. Ah, well, whenever that comes in. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And um, speaking of that, uh, credit card surcharges, the RBA and has uh, decided to uh, uh, stop these people gouging um, credit on your credit card surcharges. Well, I think this is, uh, this is certainly one of the good things to come out of the, uh, the so-called Murray Report, which was commissioned by the government for, uh, for David Murray, who was the ex-CEO uh, of Commonwealth Bank and the Future Fund, who, um, who knows a thing or two about banking, um, to, um, to look into the, the financial services sector. One of the big things that came out of this is the, the ridiculously high charges that some merchants charge for the use of credit cards, certainly. You know, I, I have an Amex card, and I have to say I'm absolutely appalled and question every, you know, why I bother holding one when every time I get slugged with these massive, massive charges. In mm. New Zealand, I got uh, charged, uh, slugged with, I think it was a 6% surcharge. 6%? On a bond. And although you get the bond back, you don't get the surcharge back. So <laughs> the bond was $2,000. It was $120 just to use my Amex card, um, which did rather... Um, stick in my claw a little mm. bit, I have to say. Um, so the um, the Murray report and what the government has decided is that this is just gouging and uh, that they will um, enforce merchants to only be able to really pass on what it costs them in terms of the fees, um, which is significantly not 6%. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it should be a big boost for, uh, for consumers. You know, if you book a, a flight with Jetstar, it costs you $8.5 use a credit yeah. card so um which is about 10 percent of the fare in some times yeah which is yeah I, I must admit i have found a, a sneaky way around that surcharge but uh, i won't tell you on air oh thanks henry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's right and it's the bigger companies that seem to my experience seem to be loading these fees up i mean you yeah. know we've got a lot of clients and and the, you know you go into various um, shops and they've got a 1.2 percent surcharge and i know full well they're not paying that to discount their credit card vouchers because yeah, yeah i mean we've got small clients who aren't paying that no that's right and, and the same with you know you buy um buy tickets online from Ticketmaster or Ticketek or whatever, uh, and they charge you uh, more money to download the ticket over the internet than they actually do to put it in the post and send it to you, which uh, as a booking fee, which which seems ridiculous as well. And you know, there's a credit surcharge fee on that as well. So, um, yeah, I think it, it's good that the Murray Report's looked at this and the government is adopting these uh, recommendations. Yes, and, and Woolworths is now uh, looking at what they're going to do with Masters. Well... The market wants Woolworths to, to get rid of Masters. It, it has been a complete and utter fiasco. It has been a, a massive drain on both management time and resources, and it's cost them a fortune. The crunch time is coming um, at the moment because their U.S. partner, Lowe's, who they've been doing the Masters with in joint ventures, um, now has the option to, to sell their bid back to Woolies. Um, now, Woolies at the moment is going through a management and board transition, so... Um, it is kind of the ideal time for them to bite the bullet um, and maybe make a decision about the long-term future of Masters, especially if Lowe's pulls the pin. Um, there are some uh, suggestions that it might actually um, raise quite a little bit of money for Woolworths, actually, while they, whilst they have to write off some money, but the, the sites themselves mm -hmm. will be quite attractive. Um, and although they will have to pay to get out of their rental agreements, they still will be quite attractive to, uh, to some people. So... Um, the market's been telling them to do this for a long time. Um, whether they do or not remains to be seen. There has been kind of um, um, a lot of pride at stake in, the, in this strategy that 
they've been pursuing in, in homeware. Mm. So. Yes, uh, be interesting. I mean, I've never understood why Lowe's had this this put option in place anyhow. No, it's it's it's, it's kind of a, a strange setup. Um, I guess it gave them a, sort of a toe in the water, but they could decide at some stage whether they they wanted to uh, to pull the pin. And, and Woolworths must have decided that uh, you know if things went well, they would like to buy Lowe's out of the business and and, and then go it alone and, and mm-hmm. have it as a, as a you know as, as their Bunnings. But um, mm-hmm. things certainly haven't gone well yet for the Masters franchise, which which is surprising given that Bunnings is you know is. It's just a place where people go to waste time on a Saturday morning and buy buy stuff that falls apart as soon as you use it, which I find extraordinary. But um, you wouldn't mm. think it would be too hard to compete with with, yeah. the, with the level of service yeah. that you get at Bunnings. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think I think the locations are the big issue. The location here. is the always the issue with these things, terrible. and this, this is this, I guess, goes to the heart of the Woolworths, Coles, Audi, Metcash thing because Coles and Woolies both have. Um, the premium yeah. location, so it does get hard for someone like Aldi to come in uh, and steal market share in, in those locations. It's it's easy where um, Woolies and Coles aren't so strong, maybe in Western Australia and South Australia, um, and it similarly goes for Bunnings and Masters. With with all the good sites um, um, really taken by by Master uh, by Bunnings, Bunnings. rather, um, then it makes it very hard for a, for a new kid on the block like Masters to come in. And plonk their stall right next to Bunnings and try and differentiate on service and prices. It really does get to be yeah. a question of which is most convenient in terms of uh, a shopper mm-hmm. habits. And mm-hmm. you know, we're all very used to wandering up to Bunnings on a Saturday morning and trying to find a middle-aged man in an apron and ask him a question and get pointed in well, the wrong direction. Pa- pa- perhaps you could go up there and put an apron on, and they might think you work there, Henry. I know. They I, might I, give I, you some money. They might <laughs> pay you. Yeah, some I of the shops might pay. It's going to be my destiny wander the aisles of Bunnings for the rest of my life looking lost. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see we're wandering again next week. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Henry. Henry Jennings from Marcus Today Financial Newsletter and our market snapshot. And uh, as Stephen says, back next week. Uh, now, we are happy to take your calls. If you've got a question you'd like to put to Stephen Pritchard today, give us a call on 49216216. We'll see if we can get you a decent answer. Thursday Finance, 49216216, if you've got a question to put to Stephen Pritchard. And Bianca has rung in from Garden Suburb. Your question for Stephen. Good afternoon, Stephen. Hi, Bianca. I was listening to Henry. I'm reading about Origin Shares. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't close, the $4 option doesn't close till the 26th of October. Is it a good idea or a bad idea? The way he spoke, I wasn't quite sure. Um, uh, Look, we can't give personal advice, but but, 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 but if the share price of Origin is less than the the, uh, rights price... Mm -hmm. So what's the current share price around six probably? Yes, bit under six. Yep. So you're paying a bit under six if you buy them on market and you've got an option here to buy them at four dollars. Mm-hmm. So it appears to me everyone you take up you're gonna make two dollars. Yes, that's yeah. true. But just when he said you have to look over your shoulder, does that Ah no, no, what he what he meant what he meant 
was that um, Santos has now been the, in the receipt of a takeover bid because their their price fell down dramatically. It was down to four dollars at one stage, and someone's now offering them buy them at six dollars eighty. And what he's meant was the Origin share price has similarly fallen, and the board need to look over their shoulder in case someone lobs a takeover offer for them at, at, at these low prices because it was it wasn't so long ago that Origin was fifteen dollars. Yeah, yes, I, I know that. Yes, yeah. that was going to be my question before Henry got. Yeah, that's right. So, 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 if you haven't, if you haven't, um, so, I think you're too late, as Henry said, to sell your rights on the market. Um, but, but if you if you're short of the money to take these up, it's not a bad idea to sell some of the, um, sell some of uh, your, your existing Origin holdings and and use the money to, uh, to, to um, buy. Oh, do yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so you could you could sell the same number and and, and basically and purchase pocket. the others. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, thanks very much for your help. Okay. Thanks, thanks for your call, Bianca. And thanks, Bianca. Alex has rung in from Tumbiumbi on four nine two one six two one six. Hi, Alex. Good day. How are you today? Good. I need some advice on uh, some uh, debt consolidation. If you got a bit of a dodgy credit file. Yeah. What's a dodgy credit file? Um, I was bankrupt back in uh, 2008, discharged okay. in, uh, in 11. Yep. Okay, so, 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 so what debts are you talking about consolidating here? Uh, just some small uh, sort of cash debt, uh, cash loans, and uh, I've got about three uh, $1,800 and $3,000 loans. Okay, the be- the best place to go and talk to 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 do that would be um, your local credit union. They, credit they, union. Yep, your local credit union. I'm sure there'll be one down there on the central coast. Um, they 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 usually have um, uh, these small loan consolidation um, um, facilities, and um, you could talk to them about it. Have they got the same criteria as banks? You know, like so I've talked to a lot of them at banks, and they said. If, the question is, have you been uh, bankrupt in the last 10 years? Uh, yes, or well, bad luck? Yeah, um, the, you know, the, the, the amounts you're, you're mentioning, I wouldn't have thought the banks would be particularly keen on lending that small amount anyhow, and then probably try and push you onto a credit card. Um, I, I, I'd go, like, like I said, I'd go and try the credit unions. I, th- I think if anyone's going to to uh, lend you and help you out in this case, it would be the... the the credit unions, because you know they they they're a mutual there and they're they're there to help people more than make profits. So um, if if one of them knocks you back, just go to another one. All right. Then. Okay. Is there any up on the Newcastle that you know about? What credit unions? Yeah. Oh, there's Honey United. Um, there's Nova. Um, there's Encompass. There's uh, um, I'm just thinking the ones that are around Hamilton. Um, and uh, there's I think. My credit union. Um, so, so there's, you know, where I am in, where we are in Hamilton, there's half a dozen there. So I'm sure they'd be on the central coast. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks for your call, Alex. And of course, um, we've probably still got time for a question if you've got one for Stephen four nine two one six two one six. While we look at superannuation super? contributions, Stephen. Yeah, contributions to super isn't 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 is, is it's now been simplified. So of course, it's a lot more complex than it was. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll just talk about um, concessional components now. A concessional com- a concessional component. 
contribution um, is one that money goes into the superannuation fund and someone gets a tax deduction for it. So now, what's what's the difference? What what is a concessional contribution? What well, it used to be called a deductible contribution. Oh, okay. that we've got a, so so a, a, what it means is someone gets a, a, a tax deduction for the contribution that that's made to um, a superannuation fund. Now, why it got changed from deductible to concessional? I, I, okay. I, just to confuse people. But the rules have changed as well as the name? Yes, yes. Well, the rules are changing all the time. So, so if, you're up, if you're up to um, for, uh, 48 at last June, you can put, or someone can put in $30,000 for you and get a tax deduction for it. And if you're over 49, you can put in $35,000. So there's a, there's a small additional contribution that you can put in and get a tax deduction for either you or your employer, um, depending on the circumstances, if you're over 49 years of age. Right. Okay. And then, then there are... Then they've got what's called non-concessional contributions and, and there's caps on those as well. So basically you can put in... Um, if you're less than 65, and these are these are contributions that you personally put in and don't obtain a tax deduction for. Um, if you're less than 65, you can put in $180,000, but that's subject to this thing called the bring forward rule. So what that means is you can put in actually up to three years contributions in one go. So so if you're less than 65, you can put in up to $540,000 in undeductible contributions There's, or non-concessional contributions. Um, there's certain other criteria you need to meet, but, but you need to check those as well. Now, if you're between 65 and 75, you can put in $180,000, um, provided you meet the work test, and that that is not subject to the bringing forward rule. So that's a maximum of 180 you can put in any year. And if you're over 75, um, you can't put any additional contributions into your superannuation fund. Okay. And anything else we need to think about just briefly? Uh, the answer to that question is that the, the, the prices we're quoting are $8. Oh, sorry, that was a question that came in about the commodity yeah, prices yeah. and asking whether they're Australian or US. Yeah, they're so, Australian so the prices dollars. we're quoting is eight dollars, so that sometimes they're quoted in US dollars and sometimes they're quoted in eight, but we're quoted in eight dollars. Right. And this so is Australia. Eight dollars. Yeah, so so if you're listening dollars. to someone else prior yeah. uh, quote a margin a significantly different prices in gold, just make sure the currency it's being quoted in. Right. Yes, all very important. Yes, makes a big difference now. Um, so what about making superannuation contributions when you're a little older? When you're older? <laughs> yes. Well, after you're 75, the only money that can, that, that, that can go in is um, uh, mandatory super guarantee contributions. And if you're over 65, you have to meet this thing called the work test. Yes. And what that means is you have to work 40 hours in 30 days. Yes. Now, works, that, that, that's actually been re Defined now it was quite loose before, so it basically means you have to do paid employment for which you get a um, pay-as-you-go um, summary from the employer. Right. Um, working at unfortunately working at Meals and Wheels or the Salvation Army or as a volunteer at Two N U R F M um, doesn't count as meeting the work test. Right. It has to be out um, doing things like uh, marking the HSC exam papers or, you know, shop assistant or something that you're actually being paid for to meet the work test that if you're over 65. Thing. That kind of thing, Jane. Okay. Oh, well, so superannuation has become simpler but more complex. <laughs> I, I still don't know why we changed the terms and from deductible to 
Because then you've got to explain what concessional means. You do. (laughs) So we will uh, find out more from the world of finance next Thursday after the midday news. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. And to NURFM.